0: be with you all. If you don't know me, I'm Catherine Stickland. I'm the, the other warden, not the John. And it's really good, a really significant week for our church as the Tufflers have moved into their house. And uh, as John has already said, that, yeah, they really are there. And the removal vans really have left. So if they want to move again, it's going to take some effort. So that's really good, really good news. And so just a reminder, he'll be inducted There's a service to start off his ministry here on Tuesday the 3rd of July. Get your tickets. Um, they're not, uh, not you don't have to pay for them, but you do have to sort of book them in, either with the off- email, the office, or you can do it through Church Suite by going to the calendar. Do get those to make sure that you can come to that event. It should be good. Right, so we are talking about preparation and the role the Holy Spirit plays in this. And... Uh, I have been thoroughly, thoroughly blessed and thoroughly overwhelmed by the concept of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in the uh, awe and reverence, perfect love meets justice and righteousness, all-consuming, all-powerful, all-knowing, created before time began and put the whole idea of salvation into place in the first place. I don't know. If you think about the Godhead, I think it's hard not to be overwhelmed. It's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. So uh, it sometimes feels that the limits of our language don't do him justice. There are things that only our spirits can resonate with the spirit of the Holy Spirit, or or he resonates with us and comes to help us understand him more. Now we're going to jump into Acts 2. This is when the church received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, a passage I'm sure we're all familiar with. So we're going to just jump into Acts 2, which I'll read to you. because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Ju- uh, Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. People couldn't understand it. People didn't know what was happening. I think John's pleased I did the reading. If there's any one tip I can give you for reading out complicated names, say them fast and say them with a bit of conviction, and no one will know that you don't really know exactly how to pronounce those. So... um, move on from that we're going to be looking a little bit about who this holy spirit is who is it that came at that time of pentecost who is he throughout the whole work of the bible Uh, we're going to be touching on that and how does he form part of the holy trinity as mentioned holy trinity father son and holy spirit equal united powerful all-consuming i've heard the, the example which is a helpful one although very limited, to help us understand the Trinity. It's like the concept of, the, uh, of water, H2O. H2O is made out of oxygen and two hydrogens, but it can be in different forms, in three main forms. It can be water, it can be ice, and it can be gas. There are many limits to this analogy, I know. I, I'm married to an engineer, and he would tell me all about different things at different temperatures that water can and can't do. Let's limit it down to the fact that it is the same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he comes in different forms, and, uh, but he is still the faithful and true King of kings and Lord of lords. In the beginning, uh, the Holy Spirit was there. And in Genesis 1, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering Over the water. Right at the very start of the Bible, the Holy Spirit was there. I wonder what that would have looked like. I mean, I did wonder, it's dark, so maybe you couldn't actually see anything. Um, But what would it have experienced? What would that experience have been like? What would the Holy Spirit have manifested himself to be on that day? Phenomenal. Next time you're at the beach, Next time you're looking at the sea, enjoying an ice cream, as you look on the water and as the shapes shift, as the sea moves and the tide rolls into the beach, ask yourself, Holy Spirit, what can you teach me from this ocean, from this sea that I might not have realized before? He is all-powerful. Amazing. Holy Spirit is often manifest in power uh, through fire. There's a a correspondence with God's presence and fire. It's almost that these natural elements of water of fire, of wind. God only uses these, well, can use these natural elements to help explain what it is that the Holy Spirit is. Because as I said before, we don't have words enough to adequately describe the omnipotent and most powerful God that we love. In fire, he was present in the burning bush with Moses, where the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. God's voice spoke from it. And by day, the Israelites were led by a cloud and fire by night. Daniel's friends, do you remember, thrown in the fiery furnace where they were not consumed by the fire. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. And uh, there was something like the Son of Man with them in that fiery furnace, whether that would be the Holy Spirit or the manifestation of Jesus, it's unknown, or an angel. Elijah's sacrifice. Do you remember the Elijah's sacrifice? They were having a bit of a competition, a bit of a sort of like prophet-off, like a dance-off, but more prophetic, between the prophets of Baal, Baal, and Elijah with God, and it was a drought, and they said, no, our God is the real God, the Baal is, and they slashed themselves and prayed. Nothing happened. Then Elijah gets up and empties container after container of water onto the sacrifice, and sure enough, it comes up a blaze of light, because God is the one true God. God makes himself known through fire. Prophets also, uh, throughout the whole Old Testament, whose Bible, can I just ask, whose Bible, you might not be able to see, I have a sort of a tide mark around Psalms <laughs> and quite a lot of tide marks around uh, New Testament. I'd probably say that some of the minor prophets aren't my natural go-to. Um, some of you might really love like Habakkuk is your absolute, like, love him, Obadiah. Woo! Uh, but um, the minor prophets, big and small, are, my, are my not my natural go-to. But actually, even in the Old Testament, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Those prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He worked there. That's in 1 Peter 1, 21. And there are many, 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 many more examples of how the Holy Spirit has worked through the history of the Bible right up into this time. Jesus was pretty serious about the counselor, the good counselor that he was going to leave with his church. I'll read these out because I've made them too small, I'm afraid. In John 14, Jesus uh, says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then he goes on, John 15, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. I was like, that second one, I mentioned this in the first service, it really resonated with me. He will testify about me. See the end of that, uh, John 15. And that really reminds me of, like, you know, when you're at a wedding and the best man gets up and he's rubbing his hands because he knows he can dish the dirt on the groom, and Granny's sitting there going, oh, goodness, <laughs> what am I going to learn about my, my grandson? In the same way, The Holy Spirit, God, and uh, the Father, they go way back. They've known each other. They're buddies. They go way back in totally in ultimate unity. And so the counselor, the Holy Spirit, can give testimony to what Jesus is about, can give testimony to what is in the Word. When you remember a verse, that is the Holy Spirit. When you can see how the Bible hangs together or you think to yourself, that reminds me of that psalm or you hear words uh, in, in, a, in a song that you know are from a psalm or from the Bible, that is the Holy Spirit who helps you recount, who helps you remember. Just one thing on that is that if the Holy Spirit is going to help us remember, we need to remember. Uh, we, we need to know. <laughs> we need to know our Bible and give. let the Holy Spirit speak in volumes through it, so that he can then help us to remember it as we live lives for him. Just a little aside. Read your Bibles, please. Please, please, read your Bibles. It's God's breath. It's God breathed. And then finally, just as my little aside, Jesus then talks to them just before he's taken up to heaven, and he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, baptized with water, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. This was a new day. A new day was dawning for that church. They weren't known as church then. That was a word that came later. They were known as uh, Christ followers, or uh, disciples of Jesus, or Jesuits. Anyway. Salvation came that day, not just that Jesus had died and made redemption, but he had made a way for the Holy Spirit, this holy presence that had always been needed to be uh, almost set aside. We had to be set aside to receive the presence of God. It now dwelt with and in people. A phenomenal change, the thing what salvation can achieve. Amazing. It didn't end there. Even now, the church is growing. Numbers are being added to the church nationally and internationally, daily. There's areas of the persecuted church around the world who have people coming to faith daily despite the most horrific persecution. Jesus' church is alive. And it's by his Holy Spirit that empowers that. Jesus is Lord. And we can't say Jesus is Lord without having a deposit of the Holy Spirit. So if you're in any doubt, the Holy Spirit is yours if Jesus is your Lord. We have this and we can be confident I would have loved to be there. Who would have loved to be there with that early church to hear that thing that sounded like? I always find it interesting when the Bible has to use the word like because it's almost like we, 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 can't, we can't connect it to anything else we know. It was like the sound of a rushing wind from heaven and something like flames came down as separate elements and rested on people and a sound like this and a sound like that. It's loads in Revelation they do that as well. Sound Strange creatures that were like this and like that. I would have adored to be there to see what that would have been like, to see maybe the fright on those early believers. Amazing, amazing time, and speaking in tongues and languages that they did not know of themselves, gifted by the Holy Spirit. I hope you're peckish. I hope you would like to see more of what God can do in and through his church. And and Pentecost was unique, but it wasn't the end of it. It wasn't a jack-in-the-box moment of God lifting the lid of the Holy Spirit and then slamming it down It was the start of something incredible. It was the start of missional communities, of what is the early church, and it goes on, as I've said, to live as the church now. Amazing. I hope you would like to know the presence of God more. I hope you have that desire in you just to know him closer, to know him more dearly, so that when you go to work, when you're at home loading the dishwasher, you know the presence of God and you know his deep love for you. That is from the Holy Spirit. Taste and see, the psalmist writes, that the Lord is good. There's something we have to do, we have to taste, we have to experience, we have to see that the Lord is faithful in all he comes to promise. What do we expect from our Sunday morning? What do we expect? One song, a few notices, another song, kids go out, another song, sermon, a few more songs, cup of coffee, head home. Nap on the sofa after lunch, (laughs) maybe a walk, home to bed. We can get into a set pattern, can't we? Even in church life of what we expect and not giving the Holy Spirit room. And I, I admit I'm guilty of that as well, of having a set pattern of where we expect God to move, how we expect him to do. And we can put him in nice, tidy, clean boxes. Sit there, Holy Spirit. I'll just let you be in the front room of my life, in nice, clean, tidy. Don't make a mess. Don't make a mess. Don't embarrass me. Certainly don't come out when I'm at work. What will my colleagues think? Just sit there. Don't do too much. I like your presence. I like you being here. But pipe down. Don't make a mess. Do we feel like that? We can get tangled up, can't we, with attitudes at church about what the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit isn't. He is a manifest presence of God, Holy One. And I hope you have a desire to know him more. My journey of Holy Spirit has been a quite an interesting one. When I came to faith at the age of 15, 16, our youth group went to. Uh, we were, I grew up in Watford, so we're really close to Soul Survivor, the church. And so we would go sort of once a month with our youth group. And so we'd experience Holy Spirit ministry at worship times and things like that. And I used to go to the summer uh, Soul Survivor conferences, as well as being in a very formal church, actually. The church was quite formal and did very full robes. So it's quite a mix. Going to university was good, but sometimes, some of the clever engineers, I'm married to an engineer, so it's not an indictment on all engineers, Uh, some of the engineers who seem to have got got it, they seem to be a bit embarrassed and a bit uh, perplexed with what the Holy Spirit was about. And it felt like my experience had to be put in a box, and it was a bit embarrassing. And I went to a church where prayer ministry wasn't really offered, it was offered maybe once or twice a year, and when it was, when people would come down for prayer ministry, everyone else would go, ooh, what's wrong with Debbie? Are she and James not getting on? And people would literally judge and question and wonder what it was that poor Debbie had come to receive from God. Like, it's none of their business, Like butt out. But, um, but there was a, such, a, 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 such a shadow cast over the work of the Holy Spirit. It's okay to be vulnerable with the Holy Spirit. It's okay that you don't have to be vulnerable here. There's no uh, pretense that the Holy Spirit is only here. That is not the case. Right, so do any of these attitudes ring true for you? See if you can pick out anything that might just resonate in your heart. These are different opinions of what the Holy Spirit can and can't do. This this first one is a bit like those um, eager beaver stalwarts I was talking about that I met at university. This experiential, touchy-feely Christianity Plays no part in my faith. I don't. I do not appreciate the intrusion, and I don't appreciate the the suggestion of change. Holy Spirit moves in power at New Wine when I'm camping, not here. I get my yearly top up. It must be something to do with canvas and fields and camping. That means the Holy Spirit just has less barriers. Why won't the Holy Spirit come now? I've been waiting. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't see results. I blame the band. (laughs) If they'd played that chorus for the fourth or fifth time, then the Holy Spirit would have come. I leave church on a Sunday, and I can feel the Holy Spirit just leaking out of me. By the time I get home, it's all just a distant memory, and I wonder how I'm going to get through my week. I'm scared. What might he do? I'm so embarrassed to feel this way. But I don't like the unpredictable, and I don't know what he'll do. Can anyone relate to any of those? I can. I can. Sometimes I know that God has stirred something on my heart I need prayer for on a Sunday morning, and I should just come to the wonderful people that pray. But you know what, sometimes my urge for a cup of coffee is beyond my urge to be connected with God. I'm like, holding my hands up? The coffee here is good. Maybe we should downplay the drinks and then maybe people would. What a tangle we get ourselves in. Thank goodness. The Holy Trinity is made up of three component parts that are equally gracious, forgiving, powerful, compassionate towards us. Broken people who have all these twisted, get into such a twisted mess, don't we? left to our own devices. We have a massively rich inheritance. The Holy Spirit can achieve so much. Maybe we to tap into what He's about. He is a very, very whistle-stop tour of what the Holy Spirit can achieve. This is just taken from me, flicking through the New Testament particularly, and finding out what He can do. He doesn't just do the crazy stuff. He doesn't just do the scary stuff of people lying down in the presence of God. He can do the day-to-day. He is our counselor. He brings freedom. The Lord is spirit, and, the spirit is, and where the spirit is, there is freedom. He brings conviction. He gives joy. He carries on the sanctifying work of the spirit. He's carried on by the, by the spirit and through belief in the truth. He reveals truth. He intercedes for us. He gives us strength, and he is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to say that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And he brings unity to church. He brings unity to church. Where the spirit is, there is unity. We have a massively rich inheritance. And sometimes I think I'm guilty of not actually accessing that inheritance. It's like, you know, God's walked me over to the vaults where behind the door is, is gold bullion of, of infinite value. And I'm, and I'm just waiting at the door saying, no, I'm all right, thanks. If you just lend me 50p, I'm all right. Actually, God has given us a massively rich inheritance of everything we could ever need an author I really am very fond of, A.W. Tozer. Uh, he wrote this, The Pursuit of God, in the late 40s. And he's an incredible author uh, to engage with about your desire to follow God. And he writes this, about what God can do and what God can achieve, and actually, as individuals, how we can be satisfied. He writes, God is so vastly wonderful, so utterly and completely delightful, that he can, without anything other than himself, meet and overflow the deepest demands of our total nature, mysterious and deep, as that nature is. He can meet and overflow our deepest demands. Are we allowing him to meet and overflow our deepest demands? I wonder if, as a church, at times we expect too little of him. We've done the rotors. We use church suite, but actually, how much do we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and empower us in all of our ministry in our lives? Are we really asking the Holy Spirit to pull his weight? Because he can. Bearing in mind where, we, where the church is at this season, the lantern is at this season, I'm going to read out this statement. I want, before I read it, to think about who it is that I'm referring to. The church has been waiting, he has now arrived. And he's made himself at home. We should expect new things. We should expect change. and We will be equipped, he will equip us for much more. To move forward, to make a big impact on our community. The old pain and grief have gone. And have been turned into gladness. What was once a sad day when we had to say goodbye has been replaced with anticipation at church. A new season, new momentum, a new way. Of course, it's not Mike Tufnell that I'm talking about. It's the Holy Spirit and what we're we able to achieve through his power working through us and in us. At Pentecost and that early church, they received such power and invigoration. But sometimes we might place that uh, burden on our leaders, perhaps. On Mike Tufnell. He's good. Don't get me wrong. Mike Tuffnell is a phenomenal man of God. And he will move and change this church in ways that sometimes we might not like, and other things that we really, really do like. And we need to be prepared for that. But he's not, I'd actually like to break this uh, misconception. It turns out that Mike Tufnell isn't the Holy Spirit. Just want to just, you can get prayer ministry for that particular phenomenon later on. It's not about having a new leader. It's not about having a new leader, it's having a very old one God Himself. Mike is not High Priest, he is not our Redeemer, he is not our Good Shepherd, he is not our King. He is not our way of saving this community. He will not satisfy your deepest longings. In fact, he might really annoy you at times. Be gracious with him. Only God can fulfill our deepest longings. What a burden if we projected all of that on a single person or on a leadership team. What an absolute detriment to the church if we put such a burden on our leaders. It is about us as a body of believers humbly waiting on the Holy Spirit for His empowerment, for His revelation, for His comfort, for His counsel, for His truth, to impact us so that we may impact this world. Only God can change us and make us world changers. We don't wait for Mike's arrival, and he wouldn't want us to. He wouldn't want us to wait. The second half of this service is going to be given over to uh, extended worship and uh, just a time for us to just come before the Lord um, in humility. And for you that might mean just sitting quietly, just with your hands open, just ready to receive. I don't know you all, I don't know what your relationship or your connection with the Holy Spirit has been like. I've had to give, as I said, I've had to give... uh, Almost, I've had to give testimony to the fact of Holy Spirit's work in my life before I acknowledged it was him. I've had to re-look over my journey with God and give name to what Holy Spirit has done. And I hope for you all that you've had an experience of the Holy Spirit, that you've received him before. But if that's not true for you, that is an absolute gift handed to you, that today you can see, receive Jesus as Lord, and everyone who says Jesus is Lord has got the Holy Spirit and it might be that just you're really dry and you're not sure how much more you can do on your own and you're not supposed to do it on your own and so this morning is going to be used for receiving afresh an outpouring of the Spirit you may have felt a stirring of longing, you'd like to experience His presence let's not quench the Holy Spirit let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit I invite um, Phil and Nick up to the band to play and we'll use this first song just as a time of just re- of repentance and rest with the Lord. That if some of those things that I read out with those those bad attitudes, some of those might have rung true. That true, you might have just you just you know in your heart actually, God, I've I've assumed the wrong thing about you, and I want to put that right. So use this song. You might want to sit with your hands out as an act of submission to say, "Not my will, but yours be done, Lord." I lay down my control. I lay down uh, my bad attitude, just bring life Holy Spirit.